it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Well, almost with Jimmy Failure. I'm Jason Chaffetz filling in for Jimmy. Jimmy's on the road. He's having uh, a little bit of flight problems getting out of, out of New York. He's headed down uh, to uh, Mesa, Arizona. He and Kennedy, uh, you can go to foxacrossamerica.com and uh, see he's going to be in concert uh, tomorrow night. That's going to be a fun show. And uh, But I'm filling in for him today. And, uh, boy, I... I was really struggling with what to talk about. There doesn't seem to be much going on today, fellas. Um, I, I've got two great producers that we're working with here. but And we've got an incredible lineup, a number of guests that are, are just so perfect for what's going on. I guess we'll go ahead and talk about what's going on with Donald Trump and the indictment, the first indictment of a former president of the United States. Andy, thanks for joining us on Fox Across America. Jason, my pleasure. Wow. I mean, the breaking news that we're just hearing is that uh, two of the Donald Trump's legal team, uh, Jim Trustee and John Rowley, are out. President uh, no longer being represented by them. But Jim Trustee was we was out front in front of all the cameras uh, last night, um, even this morning. And yet the president has now made a change to his legal team. What do you what what should we read into that? Well, I, I feel bad for Jim, who we both know and who's a, yeah. a terrific guy. So I hope if he um, – and he's a fine lawyer. Uh, so I hope that if if this happened, it's because it was a mutual agreement. Um, but, you know, look, I think he, he wants uh, he wants a team that he thinks can be Tigers in trial work. Uh, and I think what he was hoping was the guys that he currently had – we're going to be able to persuade the special counsel on the on the legal papers, like as a sort of a matter of law, that he shouldn't be uh, indicted. Now that he's facing a jury trial, I think he wants, you know, a, a courtroom tiger. Yeah, well, look, Trusty in particular, I'm a big fan of. I thought he was absolutely pitch perfect on television. The way he yep. um, smacked back against uh, George Stephanopoulos, I saw that clip. Uh, I saw him uh, last night on Laura Ingram, the Ingram angle. I, I, I thought he was pitch perfect, but I understand the frustration that the president must have that it's actually come to this. But I think there was probably always a political objective to the goal, and I I don't know. I, you know, I try not to buy into any, any of the conspiracy theories, but I do find it more than a coincidence that the very day that the oversight committee is able to go in and review the document on the allegations of, of Joe Biden accepting a bribe, one of the, I mean, is there a worse charge you could possibly be uh, uh, staring at that this comes out on that exact same day? Are you kidding me? Am I up in the night on that, Andy? Or is that is that something that's worth saying, hmm, things that make you go, hmm? Yeah, I, they make me go, hmm, because uh, I, I don't – maybe this is like old prosecutor wisdom such as it is, but I, I don't really believe in coincidences. They do happen, I suppose, every now and then. But um, I, I don't – in politics – I believe in them less than in real life, you know. So, no, I don't think it's a coincidence. I also think, for what it's worth, 
that the um, as far as the Biden piece of that is concerned, like the bribe, to me, that's just like one other thing that's totally consistent with the other things that we've learned in our learning and that Jim Comer, uh, Jamie Comer, uh, in conjunction with uh, Jordan and with uh, in the Senate, Ron Johnson and, and Chuck Grassley, we've already got a lot of this information about Biden uh, and the family uh, cashing in for millions of dollars from corrupt and anti-American regimes. And it's clear that, uh, you know, Joe was getting a piece of the action. Otherwise, it wouldn't have been happening. So I wasn't that blown away by that part of it just because it's just an addition to consistent with what we already knew. But what I would what I think the big story there is, Jason, is the FBI. Um, and I think, you know, the it's one thing that they fought like cats and dogs to try to prevent Comer from getting this document. And they, tech, they talk about the uh, informant integrity and protection and confidentiality and all that. I think the reason they fought the way they fought is they can't answer the second question, which is, once you got this information, what did you do about it? I do think and that's think the we'll, big story. I do think that's yep. – I, I totally agree yep. with you. There's two things that mystify me. And look, I was the former chairman of the Oversight Committee. I've, I've been – you know, chest deep in in these types of fights. I don't understand why this document um, is unclassified. Um, And I think the ability of the Department of Justice to hold back from the committee an unclassified document, um, I mean, it just, they, I don't think they could win that fight when it's unclassified, but I also don't understand why it's unclassified. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I'm probably a little bit more, people would be surprised because you're the, you were in Congress and I wasn't. I was in the executive branch. But I don't think Congress ought to um, – I don't think it serves them well, including Comer, if he wants my unsolicited advice, to suggest that the difference here is that this document wasn't classified because Congress has a right to review classified information too. Sure. And if you don't take the position that you are, what you do is you encourage the executive branch to overclassify things so they can then say they can't show them. Well, and they do that already. They already overclassify. Yeah, so if I were they, I I would be out there saying, you know, we don't care if it's classified, unclassified. This FBI is out of control, and the FISA court can't mind it. The director obviously is either in on it or unable to control it, and the only – actor in this government that can bring the FBI to heel and bring it back to what the country expects it to be is Congress. Yeah, this has always been my frustration is that, A, Congress doesn't stand up for itself. It doesn't act like a co-equal branch of government. They never use the power of the purse. And the ability to enforce a subpoena, as my former colleague Trey Gowdy always talks about, it's only as good as your ability to enforce it. And you, unfortunately, have to go to the Department of Justice to enforce a subpoena on the Department of Justice. So how do you think that's going to go? It, it, only, it only works, Jason, if they do the first thing that you said, which is the power of the purse. Yeah. You know, both of us collectively have a lot of experience in government. And I think we know the thing that gets their attention is slashing their budget. And if you're not willing to do that, then you're not going to get their attention. No, that's that's totally true. All right, let's go back to to the situation though with uh, President Trump. It, 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 we got the news about the 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 change uh, in the attorney representation. But regardless of that, what is your top line takeaway now that you've been able to digest this? And granted. We haven't been able to see the indictments, which I think is a problem into itself. The information's out there, but they're not letting the legal team see what these indictments are. That 
that is that common? In my experience, which is a lot of experience uh, as a prosecutor, the only time we kept an indictment under seal was when there was a fear that a person would flee if they if they found out that they were charged before we were able to apprehend them. This is not that situation. So it seems to me that if President Trump has been told that he's under indictment and there's obviously no fear that he's going to flee, then there's no reason not to publicize the indictment. doesn't make any sense to me. It just seems like the legal team should be able to review that. The, the, yep. He's going to be going into court. He hasn't been able to see the document, and it is of such vital importance to the American people. Um, he's the leading candidate right now for the presidency of the United States of America. And you're right, this idea that he'd flee, he's protected by an army of Secret Service agents. They could go figure out where he is at any moment. All right. Yeah, the only the only and this is really what makes you angry. The only good reason not to give it to him is the Justice Department wants to orchestrate this with like a bells and whistles press conference where they get to put the first spin on what people should think of all this. Uh, and the, the thought that that is more important in the scheme of things than the defense's ability to get ready and you know make a defense, it, it should get people angry, I think. Yeah, no, I think they'll probably do that on Monday. Um, and when they get all the cameras, all the attention, keep the entire nation focused on, on Monday, let everybody chat about it over the weekend. It's this orca, you know, it being orchestrated that, that really, uh, it drives me nuts. Uh, it's just, it just plays into the hands of what I think the majority of this country is worried about is, which is the unequal application of justice. That's exactly right. I think the, the one thing that you can say against that. And you, you ordinarily wouldn't be able to make an argument against that. But I think here um, they're dealing with a different kind of cat. You know, I mean, they're not dealing with a different – the usual um, – you're dealing with the usual defendant. And he's got a way to command the attention of the country that nobody else has. Yeah. And for my money, I think the Justice Department has made a terrible mistake here politically. I mean, you're, I defer to you on the on the assessment of that. But, you know, they didn't have to do this, but by virtue of them having done it, it seems to be the two things that they've made a certainty now is that every day Trump is going to be talking about the Espionage Act and the fact that Biden is guilty under it. And, and that happens to be true. You know, the fact they're trying to obscure that because they've indicted Trump on a provision that requires willful behavior. But. You know, first of all, I'm not exactly sure that Biden hasn't engaged in willful behavior because if he took documents out of uh, when he was a senator, right. you're not allowed to take documents out as a senator. So that can't be a mistake. He right. had to have done it willfully. But also, he's guilty under the provision of the Espionage Act that talks about gross negligence. And that, you know, the Justice Department can try to pretend that that's not serious. Congress made that a 10 year felony. So. Trump is going to be making this a, an issue every single day. Uh, and I think with the weight of that in, com in combination with the Biden family influence peddling scheme, Biden is going to be in a world of hurt using the criminal justice system the way that they have used it. Because now his activity, I think, 
is going to be a part of this campaign in a way that it might not otherwise have been. Yeah, I think it's the American way. People rally behind somebody who they feel like is being picked on. And and it, whether it be the president of the United States or some, you know, six year old at the at the baseball field, I don't care where it is. That's the sort of the American way. And is no matter where you're at with Trump, there are far too many people who think you're just picking on the guy. You've been trying to go after him since he descended the that golden escalator. And every single time they keep doing this, I, it's not like he has Teflon. I just think it actually makes him stronger and 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 more politically viable than ever but you know there's a lot of people that hate the president's uh, president Trump's guts and and uh, they're convinced that he's done something wrong but it seems like a pretty lame uh excuse and we can talk more about this i wish we had more time andy mccarthy former us attorney for the southern district of new york fox news contributor and uh, andy i appreciate you joining us today on fox across america thanks so much jason have a great weekend thank you stay with us we'll be right back a show so good, it's hard to describe. It's not a matter of, it's a matter of, you just, oh, in the club, I mean, um, as, as and, uh, you know. It's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. You know, so, uh. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Dominich, Fox News contributor and editor of the Transom.com daily newsletter. And I'm inviting you to join a conversation every week. It's the Ben Dominich Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. The obstruction charge is the one that most of us have been talking about for months. Uh, That, to me, has always been the greatest threat uh, to Donald Trump. But there's also the question of whether they'll charge possession of classified documents. That's going to put the Department of Justice in a tough position, because if they charge possession, it's going to make it difficult not to charge Vice President Biden with the same crime. But if they don't charge him on that, some people may view it as an effort to avoid the necessity of a charge against the president. So this indictment, the details of this indictment are enormously important. But that obstruction charge comes with a big ticket Sensing provision, that's up to 20 years. That was uh, Jonathan Turley uh, on primetime last night on Fox News uh, talking about the obstruction charges. Uh, professor, one of the smartest legal minds that you'll see out there in Jonathan Turley. One of the problems with this case here, by the way, and I'm Jason Chaffetz filling in for Jimmy, who's uh, on his way to Phoenix, uh, to Mesa, Arizona, for a, uh, an event tomorrow night. Um, and one of the biggest problems with this case is that the Department of Justice, if you question whether or not they're playing this straight up as to whether or not they have a political objective, why haven't they released these indictments? How much you want to bet, just as we were talking a few minutes ago with uh, uh, Andy McCarthy, how much you want to bet that they want to have a big press conference? They want to lay it out. They want to get all the cameras gleaned on them. And they don't want to do it on a Friday. They probably want to do it on a Monday, right, when there's more attention. And let everybody talk about it over the weekend and whatnot and speculate and have discussions just like we we are here today. And then they want to have this big spectacle. And and think about how unfair unfair this is for attorneys that have to go into court on Tuesday. They haven't even been able to see the indictment, and that is just absolutely fundamentally wrong. And I I think this has this this air of political spin, and certainly the traditional mainstream media and whatnot. That's where they play into it. Well, we're thrilled to have uh, Joe Concha with us. 
He's uh, a columnist for The Messenger, Fox News contributor. You see him all the time on Fox News. Joe, thanks for joining us. Um, what's your take on what's going down here? Not so happy Friday, right, Jason? Uh, look, th- this is a dark, dark day for this country, and I don't usually speak in these Joe Scarborough type of terms because he uses you know those terms on almost daily right, basis. Right. Uh, but the hyperbole uh, is is uh, not in play here, uh, and and the sentiment is completely warranted. Look, what, what we see here, which is quite remarkable, is rules for T, as in Trump, not for B, as in Biden. Because you look at the comparison, right? I mean, Trump had these documents at Mar-a-Lago. He was negotiating with the National Archives. And there's leaks every other day about this right out of the FBI. Suddenly there's only leaks about Trump. You rarely see any leaks about Biden. And those documents are protected by the Secret Service. So there's not really a national security risk to this, right? No one's going to walk into Mar-a-Lago and walk out with these documents. Now, you can make the argument, well, maybe Trump should have just handed them back instead of holding on to them for so long. Fine. But is this something where somebody should be indicted over? Of course not. Meanwhile, Joe Biden has classified documents next to his Corvette in Delaware, right? <laughs> My garage door is much more impenetrable than, than whatever I saw there. And then he also has the, the Penn Biden Center that's fine. Financed by the Chinese in Washington, D.C., and Chinatown in Washington. So if we're looking at equal justice here, then either there should have been two indictments or there should have been no indictments. And now i got to look at Twitter, and Hillary Clinton's up there fundraising off this, if you could believe it. She says, get a limited <laughs> but her emails hat and support Onward Together groups working to strengthen our democracy. And, and she's doing an end zone over this, and she was worse than anybody because she not only had this classified information like in a bathroom closet somewhere, but it even ended up on Carlos Danger. Wait, what's his name? Anthony Weiner, his laptop, and she's taking a victory lap? I mean, the whole world's gone nuts, Chase. Yeah, um, yeah. I was a participant, actually, in issuing a letter of preservation, and then there were subpoenas on those very documents from Hillary Clinton, and they destroyed them. It seems like if you destroyed them in the case of the IRS or Hillary Clinton, no, there's no intent there. You destroyed them. What do you mean there's no intent, James Comey? Great point. And and that's the thing, right? With, with, with Joe Biden, he took these documents when he was vice president. And you can't declassify as a vice president. And he did it as a senator as well. Like, how do you get all those documents out of the skiff? I mean, those are pretty you, – you've been in those, I'm sure. That's a pretty secure area. So I, you just see this happening. Even Mike Pence had classified documents. It seems like everybody takes these things. I couldn't leave a blockbuster video without setting off alarms if I accidentally hey, had a movie Hey, by the way – by the way, President Biden's brother was arrested for putting a blockbuster video down his pants and walking out of a blockbuster. No. True, true story. We'll oh. be right back. Joe Concha, thanks for joining us. I think I'm being generous, small, and pathetic. Uh, very generous. He's just weakness masquerading his strength. Yeah, he's flailing. Desperate for attention. Let's just level set here. Let's level set. Here's a governor from the state of Florida that is using taxpayer money. And he had to go to another state to find people under false pretense. I don't think this. I know this. I talked to the migrants. Lied to them took them into another state by bus, and then took them on a chartered flight to Sacramento, lying to them that they had help on the other side, knocked on the door, and they left these migrants right there on the steps. What kind of human being does that? Wow, that's uh, 
The ego one, uh, Governor Gavin Newsom of California talking on MSNBC, uh, going after Governor DeSantis. You know, it's amazing to me how Governor DeSantis gets uh, an awful lot of attention when he does. uh, He just takes a, you know, voluntarily ask migrants if they want to, you know, people that are here came across the border. Hey, do you want to go to Massachusetts? You know, Martha Vineyard, do you want to go to California? Oh, you do. So they get video of them. They get uh, they sign documents that they want to voluntarily go to the, to California, and then boy, do they does that get under the skin? And and one of the biggest sanctuary states that there is, if not the biggest, is California. And Gavin Newsom, he can't handle it. He can't handle it at all. And uh, you know, there is no doubt that this guy wants to, to in my mind, that he wants to to run and be the next nominee for the presidency of the United States. I, I find Governor Newsom to be the one that looks in the mirror and says, good morning, Mr. President, every time he wakes up. That's my take on him. Now, Sean Hannity's got a one-on-one interview with him that will air on Hannity on Monday night. That's going to be a really uh, amazing thing. I think there's a lot of people that don't think that Joe Biden is going to be the nominee even by the end of this calendar year. Put me at the top of that list. I don't think he's going to make it there. And I think somebody like a Gavin Newsom wants to take the reins and be the nominee and uh, and and fight in 2024. I really do think that he wants to do that. But, you know, what Governor DeSantis is doing and what Governor Abbott has done in uh, Texas and also, you know, when he was in office, uh, Governor Ducey in Arizona to, you know, spread it out a little bit to other states boy they just go nuts mayor adams in in um in new york city they are just you know they talk a big game they say hey you know what we want to house these people we're a sanctuary state we're going to treat them with compassion but you know um mayor adams in new york if we go to cut 29 he's taking it to a whole nother level it is my vision uh, to take the next step to this, to go to the faith-based uh, locales, and then move to uh, private residents. Uh, there are residents who are suffering right now because of economic challenges. They have spare rooms. Uh, they have locales. And if we can find a way to get over the 30-day rule and other rules that government has in, in its place, we can take that $4.2 billion, $4.3 it may be now, that we potentially have to spend, and we can put it back in the pockets of everyday New Yorkers, everyday houses of worship, instead of putting it in the pockets of corporations. And some of those corporations come from outside our city. Wow. So you want to pull money out of somebody's wallet and give it to somebody else to pay them to house somebody as who's a quote unquote migrant, they may be here illegally. They may, they may not qualify under asylum. You don't know. They haven't been vetted. They they haven't been vetted or anything. Well, let's bring in uh, Tom Homan. He's the former acting ICE director. He's a visiting fellow at the Heritage Foundation, and he's a Fox News contributor. Tom, thanks for joining us today on Fox Across America. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me. Hey, there's some crazy proposals out there. Mayor Adams in New York City now saying, hey, maybe we should pay people to house these migrants because they can't handle it in New York City. You got Governor Newsom pulling his hair out and going nuts over the idea that, you know, a couple dozen people from Florida move to California. 
that meanwhile there's a mass exodus out of California and he's worried about a couple dozen migrants in it going into his sanctuary state. Um, but the border, it's still not under control. We can't talk about it enough. No, I'm glad we are talking about because we're not talking about enough. This administration claiming victory, saying illegal immigration is down 70%. That's just not true. They're playing a shell game. If you go down there right now, which I've been down there, they're moving thousands, thousands to the port of entry. So the people that would normally enter illegally, they got NGOs making millions of dollars that are funded by DHS to go down south and process these people to come through the port of entry and claim asylum there. And, you know, if you look at the 30,000 they're doing with the four target countries and add to that several other thousand that come to their so-called CBP-1 app, they're still bringing thousands in a day to the port of entry for their hiding. They're saying, okay, illegal immigration is down, but they're not talking about illegal immigrants coming to the port of entry. So if you add, there are about 3,500 a day illegal entries, which is three times more than under the Obama administration when Jay Johnson was secretary, 1,000 a day was a crisis. Now they got 3,500 a day, which is three times more than it was then. They, they call it a success. I think they think we're so used to eight to 10,000 a day. But if you take that 3,500 illegal entrants and add three or 4,000 are coming to the port of entry, they're still up to about 7,000. It's just a show game. They're lying to the American people. The, 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 the numbers are just staggering. I want you to, and I've heard you say this before, I want you to remind people, as you did to AOC when you were being questioned, I love that. It's one of my favorite clips from Congress is when AOC was trying to grill you um, about how harsh you were being. Um, but there's a reason why the drug cartels don't traffic their people through ports of entry they go through they don't go through the ports of entry but the consequence for not going through a port of entry explain to people what is supposed to happen under the current law well the the current law is clear what it says is for those arriving aliens with no right to be here no documentation if you enter a country legally the the law is the law is here one sentence they shall be detained and that's what Trump administration did. I remember when, when Trump brought me, you know, I was going to retire and Trump brought, made me the acting ice director. He, he was clear to me and the head of CBP, we're going to force laws as written by Congress. So we ended catch release because the law says you shall be detained. And I actually had, I testified last summer in Houston for the state of Texas as an immigration expert in the, in the, in the fifth district in front of Judge Tipton. And he, he found that ICE, the secretary is, is, his direction to ICE and CBP is not only ignoring the law, he's instructing to violate the law. It's, there's, there's three populations that the law says have to be detained. Those arriving aliens, those with final orders, those who committed a, a, a crime involved moral turpitude, and those who have committed drug offenses. They have to be detained, but this administration is releasing them. And, and what I've been pushing is, is why are they releasing them? Why are they detaining them? Because they're paying these companies like endeavors, like three to five hundred dollars a night to put these people in hotel rooms. At the same time they're doing this, there are thousands of ice beds empty, already paid for at about $117 a night, sitting empty, already paid for. And why is that? Because the Homeland Security Life Cycle Report says if you're not detained and you get an order of removal, you only leave six percent of the time. But if you're detained in ice facility, 
you're removed 99.7% of the time. So the secretary in the White House knows this, Dad, as well as I do. They know, let them in, release them, but don't detain them because they know 90% will lose their case because 9 out of 10 don't qualify for asylum based on the last 10 years of data. That 9 out of 10 will get order removal. What happens to them? If they're not detained, they're never leaving, and this is why they're releasing them. Yeah, you don't qualify for asylum because of economic hardship. It, you don't get to qualify for asylum uh, just because of your sexual preference. Um, it, 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 this idea and this notion has really changed since uh, President Obama came into place. I saw this for up close and personal. I was in Congress. I was on the immigration subcommittee, for goodness sake. I, I do understand this. And, and I'm still mystified when I hear all these Democrats talk about, we need comprehensive immigration reform. That's, it's clear. Look at all these people. We No, legally and lawfully, we bring about a million people in, and we're failing those people because they should be given the priority um, by doing it legally and lawfully. But the other part of that is, you can't incentivize as Biden did. What you need to do is you have to actually enforce the current law. Congress has done comprehensive immigration reform. And when they did it, they came up with a law and now it needs to be implemented. So, Mr. President, Kamala Harris, the vice president, you need to enforce the law. But this is that's not what's happening in this administration. No, you're exactly right, and and they know it. If you enforce the law, it works. They know it works. All you got to do is look at the you know the Trump administration. We enforce the law. We stop catch and release, and illegal immigration was down eighty three percent. Illegal immigration was at a forty forty five year low during the Trump administration. And think about that moment because they keep saying the Trump administration inhumane. We're a bunch of racists, including myself. I've been attacked numerous times. But if you look at it, they said inhumane. Okay, let's talk about inhumane. When, 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 when 31% of women that make that journey through cartels get sexually assaulted, let me ask you a question. How many women didn't get sexually assaulted when 83% right. less were coming? How many children didn't die? How many pounds of fentanyl didn't get in the country? How many known suspected terrorists didn't get in the country? How many billions of dollars did the cartels not make? Under the Biden administration, I want to be clear, a record number of migrants have died on U.S. soil trying to cross the border since he's been president. About 1,700, which is a record by far. 106,000 Americans died from fentanyl overdoses. There's a record number of women and children being sex trafficked in the United States. 350,000 children self, self-separated from their families. Their, their parents put them in the hands of the criminal cartels to be smuggled in the country, over 350,000. And because they're not vetting properly, they can't even find almost 100,000 of these children. So yeah. th- these policies aren't humane. The most humane thing you can do is secure the border because the most vulnerable people in the world won't put themselves in the hands of criminal cartels to come to this country because of all the promises Joe Biden's made them. Well, you know your stuff. I love your passion, and you're absolutely right. One of the saddest things to see, and I've seen it down on the border, are these uh, young women who come across the border and are repeatedly sexually abused and raped uh, along the way. And 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 the, the Democrats and Joe Biden and Kamala Harris think they're being more humane, more compassionate. And you have these fake tears from AOC coming across the border, and it's just absolutely disgusting. And it's avoidable. It's totally avoidable. They're they're implementing a policy that's not sustainable. Uh, Tom Homan, I wish I could spend more time talking to you, but the former acting ICE director, visiting fellow at the Heritage Foundation. A friend and a Fox News contributor. Thanks for joining us on Fox Across America, Tom. 
in the future borders are under the next Trump administration. Yeah, there you go. All right, we'll be right back. Stay with us. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. I enjoyed it. It was an unbelievably interesting experience. All right, I'm Jason Chaffetz filling in for Jimmy. We're going to go take a caller. I think we have Alex from Brooklyn, New York. Alex, what's on hey. your mind? Hey, Jason. Thanks for taking the call. Yeah, great conversation with Tom Holman there about the border. You know, one of the ramifications about this open border crisis that people aren't covering, as I see it, in Mexico and some of the cities already, the, the cartels are policing in a lot of the cities of Mexico, and the, the Mexican government isn't fighting them because they're not able to. And so I think over the next couple of years, what we're going to see is the cartel and MS-13 members are literally going to be governing and taking over the the country of Mexico. So that's going to be pretty bad for our country, the United States, to have a neighboring country that's going to be governed by people who have no regard for human life, those cartel members. Yeah. And, you know, we're fighting a war with Russia for Ukraine because, you know, they we don't want to have this problem. But meanwhile, because why are they becoming so powerful, these MS-13 and cartel members? Because they're making thousands of dollars for each person they're bringing across yeah. the border. But uh, you were talking of but Alex, Alex, Adams. let me let me yep. get into that because we got a hard out. We got to go at the top of the hour. Let me address that because I think you're right. Um, I I'm I'm a totally agree with you. You know, it, they've gotten so sophisticated that when people come across the border, they have wristbands because the cartels have divvied up. They're charging these people thousands upon thousands of dollars, and it's not just people coming from Central America or South America. They're coming from uh, literally more than 150 countries. I was talking to somebody recently. They're seeing a lot of people coming out of Asia. They see a lot of people uh, coming out of out of the Middle East because they know this is the way to get into the United States. They just pay the money and the cartels do this. They are making billions. They're trafficking the drugs. They're trafficking the people. They're selling the access and they're paying off the government. That's part of the problem is the government. Try sneaking into Mexico. You're going to have a much harder time then you are coming across the northern border because people know if they catch you, they're just going to release you. And and so they also create diversions, right? Hey, we'll have like 150 migrants going on through here. Meanwhile, there's an opening over there, and then they take the high-value targets, right? The people paying the big dollars or moving the fentanyl and all those types of drugs. But I think you're right. The money and the economy that is being poured into Mexico to be this narco state, it really is pretty scary. Um, and, and I agree with you. All right. I want to mention something. I came out with a new book. It's called The Puppeteers, The People Who Control the People Who Control America. So not only do we have problems on the border, but we got problems in the United States, too. Um, I hope you look at this. If you think Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are calling all the shots, you are up in the night. The Puppeteers, the reason I wrote this book and the reason it was, you know, number one for two days in a row on Amazon, it sold out. For just a short while, they've got some uh, stock in now. But the reason this is is going to be an illuminating book is because it names the names. It peels back the, the covers. It shows the flow of dollars and how people are doing things by the trillions of dollars to control America. The, the, the Democrats have put in a very concerted effort. What they want is they don't want to get distracted with elections. 
They want to have a permanency with government that just continues on in perpetuity. That it, And so if you look at what's going on with this country, not only is it the administrative and bureaucratic state that these bureaucrats are running things. By the way, we talk about term limits for members of Congress. Hallelujah. Let's do that. But there should be term limits also for the administrative, the administrative state, the bureaucrats. They, too, particularly in the senior levels, should have some sort of term limits. But you have to also look at what the Department of Education is doing and how it's influenced by the teachers union. You got to go look out at the the uh, you know the the money managers and the black rocks and these types of people because they control trillions of dollars. Literally trillions of dollars are being controlled by these people. So if you want to actually understand what is going on in America, you're going to have to understand. That's why I wrote the puppeteers. The people who control the people who control America. And if you start to understand that, then you start to understand why do all these crazy things happen? Why is it that even though we elect a new member of Congress or a president, why does it seem like nothing changes? It's because they have figured out how to do this. You know, the the, the government has uh, unfortunately been morphed into this machine, $6 trillion that we're spending, $500 billion every month. We're spending more than $2 billion a day just in interest on that national debt, and it has to change. The puppeteers, the people who control, the people who control America, you can download. I recorded the audio myself. You can do the ebook. You can get a hard copy. I urge you to get it. It's good stuff. We'll be right back. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Hey, it's actually Jason Chaffetz. Jimmy has been having this nightmare of a travel day in the airport trying to get out uh, to Mesa, Arizona. He's got an event tomorrow night with Kennedy. You can check it out at foxacrossamerica.com if you want to try to go. I'm not sure. It's probably sold out, but there might be some tickets. I'm not sure. Um, but uh, and I'm filling in. I've been in New York a bunch because I got a new book out. It's called The Puppeteers, The People Who Control, The People Who Control America. And uh, I'm excited. It's, it's doing really well. So, uh, but we got to talk about the news. We got to talk about what's going on with uh, President Trump. This indictment that's coming down. The new news coming out this morning that uh, Jim Trusty and John Rowley, who've been on the legal team, are now not on the Trump legal team. Um, there's some online chatter that uh, that the Department of Justice might release the indictments later today. I think it's fundamentally wrong that here we are discussing this with the leading candidate for the presidency of the United States and that the uh, the indictments have not yet been released. I think that's unfair to his legal team and it's unfair to the American people to have this allegation out there without the actual true documentation. But we want to get the uh, the take from Raymond Arroyo. He's Fox News contributor, author of a new book, The Wise Men Who Found Christmas. Uh, he writes great books. He's a fun, fun guy, and I always love his take on on America and what's happening. So, Raymond, thanks for joining us on Fox Across yeah. America. <laughs> a pleasure to be with you, Jason, as always. So what's your top line? What do you take? Did you digesting all of this? 
Well, I mean, who, look, I think we have to all be very careful, unlike uh, pundits across the media spectrum here who are claiming that, you know, this is justifiable or justice and no one is above the law. The fact is, as you laid out a moment ago, we don't have the indictment in hand. So everybody on this thing is if they're, you know, uh, Justice uh, uh, Scalia, <laughs> cool your heels and, and just wait a minute. That's A. B. It is historic in the sense that we've crossed a line here in America where you have for the first time a former president facing federal indictment, possibly multiple federal indictments at the same moment. And I do think it bears some reflection about what is the motive here? Is this a proper standard of justice? And um, I, I think you have to, when you look carefully, this is a document case. I mean, we're talking about – I can remember covering Sandy Berger all those years ago, Jason. Now, this is a guy who went into the, the archives in Washington, came out with documents stuffed in his pants. They slapped him on the wrist and gave him a fine. Okay, He was destroying documents. He was carrying them out of the archives. Uh, this is a case of either aides and or members of the archive who packed up these boxes, sent them to the president's residence when he left office – and there was some dispute over what was there. But the fact is, unless they have hard evidence that he was sharing this with foreign governments or engaged in some, you know, pay to play scheme, which it's alleged the current president may have been involved in. Right. Uh, I, this goes a bit too far for a documents case. And look, Jason, you've spent your career dealing with these issues. You know this far better than I. Uh, the, the rule of thumb on documents cases, whether it's uh, Vice President Pence or Biden or anybody else in the government, usually they get a notice that, that they, they want to see what's there. The documents return and they get a fine. It's not a it's not certainly doesn't qualify to be categorized under the Espionage Act. But that's they're basically yeah. throwing the kitchen sink. In fact, every appliance in the kitchen at <laughs> Donald Trump. Here. Exactly. And the question is why? And yeah. is this proportional? That's a question you and elected officials and the general public will have to, to decide and vote on. But um, it, it's terrible that this becomes, uh, I think, something that people actually have to consider when they go to the ballot box. Let's listen to cut one. This is Donald Trump on Truth Social. But it's called election interference. They're trying to destroy a reputation so they can win an election. That's just as bad as doing any of the other things that have been done over the last number of years, and especially during the 2020 election. So I just want to tell you, I'm an innocent man. I did nothing wrong. And you know what, Raymond? The, the president has quite a track record because they have tried to throw everything, including the kitchen sink, and the, you're right, all the other appliances in the uh, in the at, at him, and tried to disparage this person. But it, it kind of has an interesting thing. Donald Trump is not just I, it, it's not Teflon. I don't. I'm trying to put my finger on it, but it makes him stronger, more politically viable. And as I was saying last hour. I think when America, in, in its heart, when they know that somebody's being picked on unfairly, they rally behind that person. Whether it's they the, the six-year-old who's at the ball field and got you know unfairly criticized, or or it, but it is sort of the American way to rally behind somebody who's being unfairly picked on. 
I know, but Jason, it breaks my heart in one respect because you know when you read the founding founding documents, when you when you when you're a student of history, th- this experiment in liberty was set up so that voters could evaluate candidates for president or Congress or governor based on their qualifications, their character, and what they were what they envisioned, their vision for the future, and then people bought into that vision. What's happening here is, and it's not Donald Trump's fault, it's those who are bringing these, in in many cases, we've seen erroneous and fallacious uh, charges against him. We'll see if this one pans out similarly. The others have. Um, It changes the math. So you're not even evaluating the candidates anymore or their agenda. You're simply rallying behind the wronged party. Right. Um, right. You know, the Biden team may have misjudged this situation by changing this map so radically um, because it becomes an emotional play rather than a cognitive one or a rational one. Um, We'll see. We'll see what how this affects the political outcome. Um, But uh, whatever the case, Jason, we're on a ruinous path here, because, as I said many, many months ago, my fear is that we are getting into a cycle of recriminations where whoever the ruling party is, is going to use the levers of government to torture the opponents. And tomorrow that could be the Republicans against the Democrats. And within time, it'll again be the Democrats against the Republicans. This is not the way American justice or American institutions should be utilized. Amen to that. And the horror of this moment, I think. Yeah, it, it, exactly, and and this is where the un, the uneven application of justice, mm-hmm. um, you know, Ron DeSantis said something I thought that was very interesting, and I think very true. And he said, you know, it, there's a lot of chatter, and it happened when Trump was president. It's certainly happening when when Joe Biden is president. That they're hands off with the Department of Justice. That's not the way our Constitution right. is set up. The the chief executive officer, the president of the United States, is still in charge of the Department of Justice. But let's listen to clip four, Joe Biden's take on what's going on at the Department of Justice. Mr. President, what do you say to Americans to convince them that they should trust the independence and fairness of the Justice Department when your predecessor, Donald Trump, repeatedly attacks it? Because you notice I have never once, not one single time, suggested to the Justice Department what they should do or not do relative to bringing a charge or not bringing a charge. I'm honest. Uh, you always got to love a person who tails things off by saying, I'm honest. And I would remind I'm the honest. president that he did weigh in on Joe, on his center, Hunter Biden, saying he's done nothing wrong. The White House said they wouldn't comment on it. The president said he wouldn't comment on it. And then he commented on it. So don't tell us that you haven't signaled to the Department of Justice what's going on. And don't tell me that the White House is not communicating every hour with the Department of Justice. That is, There's no, no, no way no. that's true. It, no, it can't be true because he's the executive in charge of the Department of Justice. Exactly. You know this, Jason. He has to sign off on these high-level when you're talking about high-level investigations and the appointment of a special prosecutor, yeah, you know, I'm sorry, this is not just done on a whim or independently. There is certainly coordination with the White House. There must be. And additionally, you rightly point out, the president has repeatedly said, "I believe my son. He did nothing wrong. I never talked to him." All the whistleblowers and the documents we've seen since he said that 
testify to something other, yeah. that he may have been involved in a scheme. I mean, and that's what the what I hate about this entire news cycle. I'm going to talk about this more tonight on the Ingram angle. What I despise about this news cycle is it's all the the federal indictment of Donald Trump miniseries while it obliterates all this other very important international news and the coverage of the current president, the current occupant of the Oval Office, who we found out yesterday in the, this whistleblower document, may indicate, may, allegedly, that Hunter Biden and Joe Biden were paid millions of dollars by foreign governments yeah. and uh, uh, privately paid. This is staggering news. We also learn about a, a Chinese spy operation being hosted by Cuba, 300 miles off of Florida shore. No coverage of that. that. It appears in the Wall Street Journal, but there's no television or radio coverage of it because all we're talking about is the prosecution of the former president. This is – there's something deliberate happening here, Jason, that I worry about in the coverage. Um, the things that Americans should be focused on were not, and wild allegations and uh, uses of the federal government against a former president and candidate for president – is getting undue coverage and attention, I think. Yeah, I, I don't find it to be coincidental that the very day nope. that the Oversight Committee gets to review the allegations of $10 million in bribes going to the, the Biden family, and this thing drops a few hours later. Oh, that's just a coincidence, I'm, a coincidence, I'm sure. Raymond Arroyo, Fox News contributor, author of the book. And he's got a whole bunch of books. Yeah, but the, the new book is not that wise man book. That was a Christmas book. The new one is The Unexpected Light of Thomas Alva Edison. Oh, it is. And my forthcoming book on Tad Lincoln. So they're American history books are famous. Just type in Raymond Arroyo and you'll go find there it. it there everywhere. Yes. Uh, Raymond, thanks for joining us on Fox Across America. Thank we'll be you, right back. Friend. You're listening to the show that Standard & Poor describes as Standard & Poor. I would say he's incompetent, but I don't want to do that because that's not nice. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. There'd be no obstruction issue of any kind, not even in anybody's imagination, had they not criminalized this case. This is a document case where a president of the United States or a former president faces 100 years in federal prison. Is this some kind of a sick joke on the American people? Joe Biden says he never told them what to do. Joe Biden had to sign off on that's becoming a National Archives case to have it go to the Department of Justice. Who does he think he's lying to? The American people? This is a guy that's got documents from the time he was in the U.S. Senate, for God's sakes, in his garage. I don't want to hear from the legal analysts the technicalities about false statements and obstruction. This should never have been a criminal case. Willful retention of documents. Mark Levin teeing off on uh, Hannity's uh, television show last night on Fox News and uh, fired up, to say the least. I think a lot of people are. I think a lot of people look at this and say, you're elevating what is peanuts into something that is punishable by death, um, if it truly is. Now, 
the Department of Justice has not really released the, the indictments yet. Now, supposedly, rumor is they're going to come out uh, later today um, or over the weekend or Monday. I don't know. But Trump's legal team, which changed today, Jim Trusty no longer involved. He was on the TV doing the rounds. He did a fabulous job. John Rowley, no longer involved in the uh, Trump team. Trump made uh, changes to that earlier today. Um, but. Uh, you know, th- there's a lot of people here that just believe that they are way overextending themselves. But we want to bring in uh, Joe Pinion. He's the former United States Senate candidate uh, in the great state of New York. Joe, thanks for joining us again. It's good to chat with you again. What's your what's your top line take on what's going down? Well, look, I think many Americans are feeling the way that that Mark is feeling right now, completely outraged by a process that seems bereft of due process that seems to have taken uh, the rule of law and tossed it away. And so, you know, we always say in life, right, there is the letter of the law, the spirit of the law, and the court of public opinion. Any way you want to look at it, it feels as if this case falls short, particularly when you try to dig up something um, as uh, kind of inglorious as the Espionage Act, and then try to fashion that to the chest of the 45th President of the United States of America, who was at the time of the raid that led to the case, trying to negotiate which documents should go back and which documents he felt he had the right to keep. So again, the integrity of this case uh, seems to be compromised. He had the person bringing uh, this case who is the center of all of the political persecutions gone wrong from President Trump, going all the way back to when he tried to uh, put John Edwards behind bars, and namely a jury through those charges uh, into the waste bin of history. So uh, it appears that this banana republic uh, is starting to come undone uh, on Joe Biden's watch. Well, let's listen to clip eight. This is Alina Haba, who is still part of the Trump team, and her take on I'm embarrassed to be a lawyer at this moment. Honestly, I am ashamed. I am ashamed to be a lawyer. I'm ashamed that this is the state of our country. And it is so obvious that there is this dual system of justice. This is selective prosecution, selective persecution. It is absolute persecution. It is Russia third world stuff, and it should not be happening. And and that's that's the rub that so many people have, is that when you had Hillary Clinton with documents under subpoena in order to preserve documents, nothing. Um, she set up her home server to get around the, the uh, Federal Records Act on the very same day. And I asked Director Comey, I used to be the chairman of the Oversight Committee, I asked him. She, he said, well, she had no intent of of bypassing the Federal Records Act. She set up her home server on the exact same day that she was going through her first Senate confirmation hearing. But there was no intent there. And then when we went after the IRS documents, they were under subpoena. What did they do? They destroyed them. So in many cases, they destroy documents at the IRS. They destroy them in the case of the State Department and Hillary Clinton. Nothing. Silence. Nothing. And and so you have Alina Haba talking about, uh, you know, the unequal application of justice. I think we see this time and time again, particularly when it comes to Donald Trump. 
I think the sad part about all of this, you go all the way back to when this daisy chain of misery began uh, with James Comey, who now uh, happens to be writing fiction novels, which I, I think is okay. in some ways comical because it's hard to tell the difference between fact and fiction. All the things you described with Hillary Clinton, the Department of Justice didn't seem to care about. We have the White House logs detailing meters that Hunter Biden had when his father was vice president. We have emails that say why he wanted those White House meetings, namely that he needed to secure FaceTime with elected officials in America in order to release bonds for payment from foreign countries that hate us. The DOJ doesn't seem to care about that. And so here we are uh, looking down the gauntlet of the rule of law, a blind justice under the law, effectively being thrown to the wayside. And so a lot of Americans, I think even some of those uh, exhausted Trump supporters, reluctant Trump supporters, driven into the warm embrace of the assailed 45th president of these United States, uh, I think he just won the Iowa caucus seven months in advance. I think he's on his way to doing much better than his skeptics thought he would do, because I think what all Americans agree on is that we cannot have a two tiered justice yeah. system. Yeah. We cannot have a deep state to decide that they know more than what's right for the American people than we do. Well said, Joe Pinion, former U.S. Uh, Senate candidate in New York. I really do appreciate you sharing your opinion. Stay with us. We got some exciting guests, including Brett Tolman, the former U.S. attorney, coming up next. Well, I can tell you that the FBI has had this since 2017. This particular 1023 that uh, I was able to grant access for my entire committee today, uh, it's dated June 30th of uh, 2020. You go back through the document and there are footnotes that reference uh, two prior years. So they were communicating with this paid informant uh, for years. And according to the FBI, this is one of their most highest paid, most respected, most trusted, most effective human informants. So what we learned is what the whistleblowers told Senator Grassley all along. The FBI never investigated this. That was James Comer. James uh, Comer is the uh, second best uh, former or second best uh, chairman of the House Oversight Committee. Um, I say that with a big smile on my face because I was honored to have that role at one point. Uh, but James Comer is doing a knockout job. He's really I mean, you think about it, he just started in January. He's already having success this uh, this quickly. And I think he made a really good case against the Federal Bureau of Investigation on an unclassified document, one that uh, a couple weeks ago they said they didn't even have. Then, you know, then they finally acknowledge it. Then they have discussions. He gets an in-camera review. In-camera review means you can't bring a camera. I don't know why they call it that. You go into a room and there's a handler and they'll turn the pages for you and let you look at this document. Can't bring a pen. Can't bring paper. Can't bring your phone. Can't bring anything. Just look at it. If you want to change the page, somebody will turn the page for you. Um, And that's the way these things work. So an in-camera review. He gets it and then says, no, we uh, have issued a subpoena for this. We should be able to see this. And you know what? It's paid for by the American taxpayers. And it's an unclassified document. What's the justification of holding it back? You know, then you get all these convoluted stories. Oh, it's an open case. It's a closed case. It's an ongoing case. No, they shut it down. Then you had uh, Bill Barr come out and actually, um, you know, specify that, hey, you know what? Uh, What uh, 
Jamie Raskin was saying. I don't know. Do we have that clip? If we had that clip, let's play this from. Uh, oh, it's all right. Don't worry about it. Um, and uh, and so you know, all of a sudden, now the whole committee gets to see it. And what happens? They drop the indictment on Donald Trump. So we're all talking about Donald Trump instead of what is perhaps one of the most serious charges on a sitting president that we've ever heard of. And that is one about bribery. Bribery, millions of dollars in exchange for taking a position on a particular issue. And and I got to tell you, uh, the, the, the charges are quite shocking. And, you know, does it or does it not relate back to um, Joe Biden when he was in Ukraine and trying to manipulate um, the prosecutor who was involved and engaged in looking at what was going on with uh, Burisma. Now, remember, you have (laughs) this very suspicious appointment of Hunter Biden to the Burisma board. He has no affiliation with the, the country, the industry, the sector, or any of that. So let's bring on uh, Brett Tolman. Brett Tolman, not only a friend because he was the former U.S. attorney in the for Utah, um, in the state of Utah, I should say. Um, but he has this rich, deep background, also working in the United States Senate. And he's just an all-around good guy, a great hunter, and a good friend. Uh, Brett Tolman, glad to have you with us. Thanks for having me, Jason. Look forward to it. All right, let's. I want to stay. Let's stay right on the Comer uh, revelation of being able to read this ten twenty three document because I think it was very telling that they were very specific about the date, the time, the actual document itself, and I still don't know why they haven't fulfilled the uh, subpoena that was duly issued by the House Oversight Committee. Yeah, and it's it's very strange because it's information that is several years years old. So they obviously have not been, you know, compelled to 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 with any sort of urgency deal deal with it. A 1023 document, Jason, is one in which uh, it's a reliable source that you that comes and volunteers and gives information, and you you take it and you vet it and you utilize it in your criminal investigations and. So this this makes no sense that they're not willing to turn it over. It's not a classified document, and it doesn't seem that um, it's at the heart of anything DOJ has been actively engaged in. Well, that's the concern. A long time ago. Yeah, Yeah, that's that's the concern is that they got they pay hundreds of thousands of dollars to this guy. Um, They find him highly credible. There's a document. Bill Barr, the former attorney general, saying he turned it over to the to the prosecutor in Delaware, but it doesn't appear to be followed up. That's why we know about this specific document, because whistleblowers are coming forward via Senator Grassley saying, hey, they're not doing anything with this. Listen to what Nancy yeah. Nancy May said, the, the congresswoman out of South Carolina, cut 26. What I saw today was a very credible, very legitimate uh, a, a source of information that showed bribery with Joe Biden and his son, Hunter Biden. The details and information that we saw was more than $5 million. And, Each? Uh, it, it each it was five million dollars each in this in this document and what we saw was information i have more questions tonight than i have answers for the fbi again that was uh congresswoman nancy mace on fox news tonight with uh, harris faulkner uh what's your take on that brett i i have seen 
presented to the grand jury far less and an indictment returned. Wow. And when I say far less, this is a reliable source that's connecting money. And we already know that they have also been able to see transactions where money has has gone to the Biden. So you have transactions, financial transactions. You have a reliable source. You have multiple LLCs that have been created in order to, to disperse funds from foreign entities. You have Burisma at the heart of a, of a potential scandal that historically was denied by, by everyone involved that now is, is revitalized. All of that is so much evidence. It's shocking that the DOJ isn't concer- more concerned about trying to, to, trying to expose maybe what, what might be the most uh, significant and substantial corruption this country has seen at the executive level. Yeah, ever. Uh, let it go Ever. to cut. Go to cut twenty four. This is the president himself fielding a question. Bribery allegation. Congresswoman Nancy May says there's damning evidence in the FBI file that you sold out the country. Do you have a response to congressional Republicans? Where's the money? I'm joking, Mr. President. Mr. President, a bunch of malarkey. Boy, that's a that's a bold statement. Where's the money when you have 170 plus suspicious activity reports? And you can document close to $30 million, according to Peter Schweitzer and the Government Accountability Institute, of which I'm associated with. There's a lot of documentation out there, Mr. President. Why did you create, why did your family create at least all of these uh, LLCs and entities and this labyrinth with people who have no skill sets, no product, no service at the end of them? All of these companies are created, but they don't actually do anything except move money in and out of them. What does that sound like? Yeah, let's really call it for what it is. He says, you know, where's the money? And he has, in astronomical fashion, despite being a public servant, you know, has elevated his financial position by millions and millions of dollars. Multiple homes worth millions of dollars. I think we could find where the money is. Yeah. Let's issue issue search warrants and let's find where the money is. I bet we can find it. Well, that's what James Comer and, and the Oversight Committee are looking at here, because if you if you really look at what's actually going on there, Joe Biden took office in 1972. I was five years old. I barely I starting to play soccer. And so you're a public <laughs> servant for that long. Yeah, maybe you sold some books or, you know, gave some speeches in the off years. But that much enough to have multiple houses and that kind of uh, that kind of opulence. As a public yeah, servant, well, work. that's right, Jason. And think about the rest of the family. There, you know, I don't, I don't know of any instances in which members of my family get transferred hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars. It just, it doesn't happen in real world. It happens in worlds of corruption. Well, it, it, even at one point when the, the the Romania situation, which I could lay out in great detail, but you have um, Louis Free, the former FBI director for for Bill Clinton. It, sending text messages, uh, sending emails, I should say, ar- articulating that he put a hundred thousand dollars as a thank you for the business that he got um, out of Romania, and it went into Joe Biden's grandkids' account. How, what yeah, what what grandkids get a hundred thousand <laughs> poured into their account as a thank you for business while he's the vice president of the United States? Yeah, I mean, first of all, there should be no transfer of any thank you money. I mean, this is this kind of stuff that Lyndon B. Johnson was exposed, uh, you know, doing 
but it was bags of cash back then. Now it's transfers of wire transfer, you know, to grandchildren. <laughs> Haley, Haley Biden gets compensation by the tens of thousands. She's a school counselor. Well, why would she get money from overseas? What is that all about? And there's no intellectual curiosity from the traditional mainstream media. And there is nothing going on in the United States Senate. And House Democrats are doing nothing with there either. Yeah, and, and we shouldn't be finding out any of this through the Oversight Committee, although it's it's admirable and, and, and I applaud them and want them to continue it should be the Department of Justice with all of their power and resources and the FBI Financial Crimes Unit. But they no longer are being you know, uh, guided by individuals that want to seek justice wherever it leads them. They're seeking their own justice. They've made a determination to protect and insulate the Bidens because it's politically expedient for them. That's right. Uh, Brett Tolman, one of the best, uh, former U.S. attorney, and uh, we'll let you get back to ordering that Whopper there in the drive-thru, and I appreciate you joining us on Fox Across America. Thanks, Jason. All right. Brett Tolman, everybody, we'll be right back. A show so good, it's frightening. I got scared. I dropped my hot pocket. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Hey, I'm Jason Chaffetz filling in for Jimmy. Jimmy is actually off trying to get on a plane to get to Mesa, Arizona. He's got a big gig tomorrow night with uh, Kennedy. Uh, You can check it out at foxacrossamerica.com, foxacrossamerica.com. You can find out the details of that. Um, But I'm filling in for him. I've been in New York a bunch because I got a new book. It's called The Puppeteers, The People Who Control, The People Who Control America. And I highly recommend it. Surprise, surprise, because I wrote it. And it's uh, it was number one on Amazon for a couple days. Um, there's an ebook. There's You can download the uh, the e-version of it. There's a hard copy. Um, I'm glad it's off to a, a roaring start because if you think uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are calling all the shots there at the White House, you got another thing coming. The puppeteers, the people who control the people who control America, all right, I want to get in and, and uh, keep talking about what's, uh, what's going on here because we got some big news. I think the biggest news, the biggest potential bombshell that's out there is uh, what's going on with James Comer's investigation into these allegations of flat-out bribery of Joe Biden, taking $10 million, $5 million for himself, $5 million to Hunter Biden from a highly credible source, documentation years ago given to the FBI, and then no evidence that the FBI has done anything. The reason we know about this 1023 document, the reason we have great specificity of, of about it, is because we have a whistleblower who's evidently gone back to Senator Grassley and and documented that, hey, this is here. But now it's, uh, you know, conveniently the Department of Justice does this indictment hours later after the committee gets to look at it. Let's listen to Donald Trump's, uh, one of his comments that he made on Truth Social. Cut two. This is warfare for the law, and we can't let it happen. We can't let it happen. Our country is going to hell, and they come after Donald Trump weaponizing the Justice Department, weaponizing the FBI 
We can't let this continue to go on because it's ripping our country to shreds. We have such big problems, and this shouldn't be one of them. Well, joining us now, we have the congressman from Virginia's 6th District, uh, Congressman Ben Klein, who's joining us. He's on the House Judiciary Committee. He's also on the House Appropriations Committee. Congressman, thanks for joining us. Um, Want to get your top-line take on what's going on these would Jason, it's a, a double standard. You've seen it time and time again where uh, intelligence agencies are weaponized against conservatives, against Republicans. I, I find it very interesting that uh, you know this uh, confidential source told the FBI about these payments to Joe Biden and Hunter back in an interview. This interview was in June of 2020. And that was during the campaign. Let's remember what was happening. Uh, that was about the same time. Uh, it, it was right in the middle of the presidential campaign when this bombshell was dropped, and the FBI just apparently sat on this interview. And so for the last three years, we've been uh, working to get this information, and they've been slow rolling it and and just n- obstructing it every turn. But uh, they finally got it, and uh, now the American people know. Well, but the, the second part of this, what did they do about it? And and so you're on the House Appropriations Committee, and, you know, I served in Congress eight-plus years, chairman of the Oversight Committee. One of my biggest frustrations, quite frankly, is that, that one of the tools, really the only tool, that uh, the strongest tool, I should say, that Congress has is the ability to use the power of the purse to get their subpoenas enforced. Is the House Appropriations Committee doing anything to use the power of the purse to fight back against this abuse by the Department of Justice? Absolutely. We have we have three different tools at our disposal. The first is the power of the purse, and, and we are – you'll be uh, very impressed with the appropriations bill targeting uh, the departments of, of uh, justice and commerce and science uh, for spending cuts – uh, the intelligence agencies, uh, where we're going to find cuts, you know, they've they've got some new office buildings they want to build uh, for our intelligence agencies that uh, we're asking them to justify, and so far they really haven't. And uh, the second way we do that is through legislation. You know, these um, FISA warrants, this section is going to come up for reauthorization this year. The whole FISA statute next year will be reauthorizing that. And then we also uh, put back in place a new uh, – it was it was an old uh, way of doing things, but you can light item strike uh, someone's salary now in an appropriations measure. So uh, we're looking at uh, particularly obstructive bureaucrats who uh, aren't following the law and aren't following uh, their instructions from Congress who may need to have their salaries uh, line-itemed out of appropriations bills. Well, that's encouraging because, you know, the power of the purse is a potent one, and you got to be able to use it. I will also mention here as we wrap up, I wish I had more time with you, Congressman Klein out of Virginia, um, but the the, the uh, indictments uh, against Donald Trump have now been unsealed. We haven't digested those. They just came out. Uh, but we will certainly be getting into that. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Congressman Klein, again, for joining us.
on Fox Across America. Really do appreciate it. And I uh, hope you stay with us. Thanks for joining us. I'm Jason Chavitz filling in for Jimmy. We'll be. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. There's a coup going on here at Fox News Radio. I'm Jason Chaffetz filling in for Jimmy. Uh, But actually, I hate to tell the king that I have uh, taken the throne, but uh, Jimmy is stuck in an airport, and we're glad to have him on the phone. Jimmy. (laughs) Yo, Chaffetz, I feel like Gaddafi. You know when they found him in that pipe? That's but I'm right. calling into my followers, trying to claim I'm still in charge of the government. <laughs> I've clearly been exiled. But yes, hello from JFK, where I've been sitting now for seven hours, Chapin. Yeah, nice. <laughs> hey, you know, you're not going to get a lot of tears from me since I'm a four million miler on Delta. So whew, where's the Kleenex, guys? Oh, I feel really bad about that. Hey, Just how was, how was the pat down this morning? How'd that go? Well, listen, the second one was better than the first one. As you know, as, you know, as a married guy, you got to get the action where you can get it. So it's like I, I went through once as myself, and I went back a second time with some suspicious markings on just to make sure they got extra handsy. But uh, no complaints. I just finished my cigarette, and I'm on to the gate. But, oh, man, it's funny. Uh, that's, uh, that makes for a long day because once you're in the air, you're going to Phoenix, right? you got a good, I don't know, five, six hours? That's what that's what they're telling me, man. Uh, if this thing ever actually leaves, like the plane was supposed to leave like seven hours ago, so we're just kind of here under house arrest. I mean, there's always something to work on. So I'm, I've actually been productive. You should be proud of me. Everyone listening should be proud of me because in another life, uh, Jimmy Fallon trapped in an airport for seven hours means I've broken the national record for like Bloody Mary consumption at the bar. <laughs> right. uh, and I haven't had a drink. I've had like an iced coffee, and I've been writing the whole time. You know, working on a stand-up special. So this is, uh, in all honesty, very proud. I don't know how this this phoner is going to go. You might break me, Chapitz. This might be the thing that sends me over to the bar. But so far, so good. I was going to ask you how the food is because, <laughs> you know, JFK is, if it's known for nothing else, the, the cuisine is quite good. Yeah, yeah. Well, it depends what terminal you're in because I'm in the American terminal. And uh, to put it in Rodney Dangerfield terms, these are the kind of chefs where you pray after you eat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sure you have the coveted middle seat. Um, they're going to be really thrilled to see. If, if I saw you coming down the aisle, I'd be like, please, no, 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 no. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on. I don't have to take this. Like, listen, I make fun of myself. I am not like circus fat. Okay. And and and, and to be clear, can you remind the audience, Chavis, when is your swimsuit calendar coming out? Just so we all know when to run out We're and get it. We're going into a reprint. Yes. Yes. <laughs> good for you yeah no Uh, one time i was on a flight and i was flying back from dc is when i was in congress i was all dressed up i had the tie the suit the whole thing Mm -hmm. and right in the middle of the flight just randomly this person next to me she was very nice but she decided that she needed to put some hand lotion on and she had the 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 uh hand lotion position that when she unscrewed the cap the pressure of the airplane (laughs) propelled the lotion all over me like literally from all over me i've got this really expensive suit on and then she decides that hey i'll wipe it off for you and i'm like no 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 and i'm sitting on the window seat trapped and i'm thinking oh i love flying i love Uh, well listen 
this still beats the time I was sitting next to Jeffrey Tubin and he wanted to put the hand lotion on. So. <laughs> Good night, everybody. What? Good night, everybody. <laughs> All right. So excited that you're going to be in. I, You know, I went to grade school and high school in Scottsdale, Arizona, and my wife is born and raised in Mesa. So I'm kind of yeah. jealous that I can't be there. Well, tell me this. Okay. Um, did I screw up by running a convertible because I know it's so hot there that we might come to resent it? Like, I didn't rent one in Florida because it was too humid. But will I survive the dry heat in a convertible? Oh, yeah. You just need a ball cap. You know, you need a you, – you, it's the forehead I'm worried about, Jimmy. It's the <laughs> sun. It's called the Valley of the Sun. I wouldn't worry about the heat. It's uh-huh. the sun that's going to burn you to but, a crisp. Well, it's not It's not quite me. It's, it's Kennedy who is uh, blessed with that Pillsbury skin. Uh, she burns. So like Kennedy, you know, she'll be in like a nice thick head of hair. So I'm not worried about, you know, she's Uh got that flowing hair. That's going to just be like picture perfect in the convertible. (laughs) Listen, you buttering up the ladies. You're like, Jimmy, you're too fat for the middle seat. Kennedy, on the other hand, on the cover of a romance novel. Hey, what what do you think about this whole indictment? Have you given that some thought? Yeah, of course. It's like a big day. That's why I wanted to be on the yeah, you know, I want to be on the show. I don't want to be a deadbeat radio dad and not be a not be a part of the movement on, on the day stuff like this happens. So everyone listening knows I'm off Monday, Tuesday, but I'll be appearing on the show as a guest those days too, just because there's a lot going on. And, you know, in terms of the Trump thing, man, like, you know, I mean I guess the good news is we've all landed a role in the series finale of America. So you can all go on IMDb and update your acting resume. <laughs> You've all got a role. It's like, dude, we're not being dramatic, you know, when we say that this is really bad. You know, we're all saying it. Everyone's kind of taking on the same line of thought, a two-tiered system of justice, and that you find out Biden's literally getting a $5 million bribe as vice president, at least according to a credible whistleblower. And on the same day that happens, Trump is getting indicted. It looks bad. It does. It looks like everything everyone has heard. It looks banana republic-y. Um, it absolutely looks like election interference. It absolutely looks politically motivated. And uh, it's, it's, it's a bad day. Like, I keep the mood light because I think in these situations it helps and you make more rational decisions than just, like, lashing out and going nuts. Because I think, and maybe you agree, I think on some level they want Trump people to blow back. They want somebody to show up to the Miami courthouse and put a rock through a window or, you know, heaven forbid, do something slightly more violent than that, because then they crack down on that and they use it as an excuse to say that every conservative is a militant right wing loony, you know. So it's almost like we're being baited on a couple of different fronts. Do you get that? Oh, I totally do. I I, I think they look at that and say these extreme MAGAist Republicans, you know, they're all MAGA extremists. And they do. They they want to have some craziness that they can run on television as opposed to the calm, cool, collective demeanor of, say, a Jim Trustee, the the uh, president's attorney who comes off as highly credible. I mean, that that played itself out this morning when he was on with George Stephanopoulos and Stephanopoulos is like trusty was saying that's a you know, this the the, the types of uh, interaction that we're having with with Trump didn't happen with Biden. And he, he was indignant, <laughs> like, wait, what do you mean? And Trusty yeah. was calm, cool, and just demolished Stephanopoulos. It was really a great moment. Uh, he crushed him. And can I just add one thing to this really quick? I just want to be on record. Like, he's not going to jail. Like, this is a situation where the process is the punishment. Right. And the trial and the legal, you know, and, and the legal saga will play out 
beyond Election Day 2024. Like the like the, today's job, as far as the Democrats are concerned, the job is done. It's like the minute they launched the Mueller probe, that was its job. Its job was to exist. The process was the punishment. They just wanted it hanging over his head, you know. So it discredited his win in 2016, just the same as this would discredit any potential he might have to win again in 2020. And what's sad is they're not done indicting him. I'm sure he's going to get indicted down in Georgia now. And who knows where the Alvin Bragg thing is going to go. And I guess what remains to be seen now is, you know, do Republicans circle the wagons and go, you know, the hell with it. It's us against the world now or never. Or do they really take a step back and go, well, maybe the only way we're going to stop this is if we win back power. And Trump may ne- not necessarily be able to win back power given the circumstance. Like it sucks. I think it's BS. I don't think it's legitimate. I don't think anybody else would be charged for this. But it doesn't mean it's not effective, you know. Yeah, I I think you're right. I think they, they, there's no way a trial happens before the election. Judge no. isn't going to happen. It isn't going to no. Let it in, in fact, dude, if he stopped, if he said right now. I'm not going to run. But you know what? We're doing season 15 of Celebrity Apprentice. I'm not going to run. They would probably drop the charges during the press conference. Yeah. Like, and, the, and the fact that it's like that transparent is why this is so bad. It's like you're doing unprecedented things to the country. You really are tearing it apart in the process, and they don't care. Like they, they actually don't care, and I think that part is like more reckless than anything he did with a document. I mean, dude, the other guy had documents in his vet. I know. You know, <laughs> Hillary has them on a private server. Yeah, I mean, give me a break, dude. I yeah. mean, come on. I mean, if, if that was really the concern, there would be a federal wing right now for classified documents. No, no, a lot of big names. Think about it. Um, what's worse, destroying the documents under subpoena or, you know, go ahead and hand them over. And by the way, you have them. So, <laughs> hey, Jimmy, no. you, you've got mm-hmm. some taskmasters of producers and they're telling me, stop talking to me. Did I do that right? <laughs> Did job. I do that right? Good job. Take, I've never been dropped on my own show with an actual drop. I appreciate that. And I appreciate playing Kanye because, you know, I voted for him in the last election. <laughs> hey, enjoy the journey to Arizona, the Valley of the Sun. I'm sure it's going to be a great show tomorrow <laughs> night in Mesa, Arizona. See you soon, brother man. Thank you. We'll be right back. Taking the edge off, one story at a time. America needs to learn how to lighten up. You're hanging out with Jimmy Fallon on Fox Across America. All right, I'm Jason Chaffetz filling in for Jimmy, and uh, a lot of news happening. Uh, the the uh, indictment against uh, President Trump has uh, uh, recently been released uh, just within the, the last little bit. Uh, he is charged with willful retention of classified information and, instru- and obstruction. A 49-page indictment it comprises 37 counts of Again, willfully, willful retention of classified information, withholding a record, conspiracy, false statements, and obstruction. It also includes one charge of false statements against Trump's military valet, Walt Natua. I think that's how not, uh, I don't, I'm not sure how you pronounce his name, um, who worked in the White House, then went to work at the Florida Resort with the president. Nevertheless, the president facing 37 counts. Uh, we're thrilled to have on the phone now with us uh, Florida Attorney General Ashley Moody. Uh, Attorney General Moody, thanks for joining us. What's your takeaway from this? You probably haven't had much of a chance to digest it, certainly fully comprehend it, but now that it's out, what what's your top-line read on what's happening here? 
Yeah, you know, I think you're you're reading it as all of us are. Uh, people sometimes assume because I'm the Attorney General of Florida and this was brought <laughs> in Florida that I should know all about this. But as you know, uh, this has been initiated and driven uh, by Washington, D.C., uh, Merrick Garland and his DOJ attorneys there. And while they have charged it out of the Southern District of Florida and that federal jurisdiction, that is in, in no way related to uh, the the state uh, jurisdiction of the state of Florida. So uh, like you, I am seeing the unsealed indictment uh, for the first time it ha- as it has been unsealed. Uh, what strikes me, and I, and I spoke about this in detail this morning, as a former federal prosecutor, um, you know, it, 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 seeing how the retention of documents and the treatment of classified documents by others has been handled, uh, it was it was incredibly disturbing to so many Americans yeah. that it, it was viewed as though, um, you know, what is, is good for one person may not be good for Donald J. Trump. And I think that um, what I demanded this morning so that we weren't, you know, um, in any way left with the impression that you have a DOJ that has been weaponized to go after a leading presidential contender is that the, the Merrick Garland and his attorneys indeed start speaking and, and conversing with the American public to assure them, reassure them that we have institutions of integrity. And so I think a speak, what we would call a speaking indictment, a speaking charging document, um, was was absolutely necessary. And from my initial review, it is 49 pages long. Uh, it does it does appear to me as a former federal prosecutor to be um, more detailed than the normal federal indictment. So, you know, I have not had a chance to go through what they believe is going to support all of these charges, as many have not, as it was just unsealed. Um, but, you know, It has been shocking to me that we have not seen uh, more from this DOJ and certainly Merrick Garland and talking to the American public and in some way assuring them that this is not some kind of Game of Thrones, uh, which I know that the Trump team and many that support President Trump because of the lack of communication from our government has felt for a long time now. Yeah, we're we're talking with Ashley Moody, who's the uh, Florida Attorney General. And you're right; we we need to clarify that uh, this is a federal charge, it has nothing to do with the state or your office or your involvement. And and uh, uh, but we appreciate your legal expertise because it is a rich and deep one. Um, I was struck to uh, by the specificity, and th- this is not easily going to be dismissed by President Trump. Um, 31 counts um, with the kind of specificity that they have there. Obviously, the president gets a chance to offer his defense. He has to he'll be in court on Tuesday. Um, but, I, I, you know, politically, I don't know that he'll ever have the time to properly prepare a defense and have a trial prior to the November 2024 election. With that said, I still think one of the seminal issues, I, first of all, my, my question, I guess, to the president is, why didn't you just give back the documents? Like, it, 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 if you had them and you did have them in your possession and they asked for them, why not just give them back? I mean, what's so important about keeping these? With setting that setting that aside, I think the other one is is the one that you brought up, because you know, I was the chairman of the oversight committee. I had subpoena authority. We were in the majority. It was the chairman. 
and I had duly issued subpoenas, preservation letters. Uh, I was involved in in many cases, including the IRS, the lowest learner uh, situation there, uh, Hillary Clinton and that situation there. You know, documents that were under subpoena and were destroyed. I I mean, purposely destroyed. And, and there was no consequence. Oh, well, there was no intent. There was no... Are you kidding me? Somebody got bleach bit? I didn't even know what bleach bit was. And they destroyed them. That's what's... That's what's intolerable is the unequal application of justice. Well, and I think one of the things that you presented was how will this be resolved? How will this just be disposed of in a way um, that that is, is hopefully expeditious right. uh, so that we can indeed as Americans uh, decide on in an electoral process on our next president with with all of the facts uh, hashed out? You know, again, this is an indictment. Uh, is merely a piece of paper that has charges on it, allegations. Everything in there must be proven to a jury, uh, folks from the community, folks from Florida, uh, to decide whether or not it can be proven. And in federal court, I can tell you, I have been a state, a judge in state court, and I've been a prosecutor in federal court. Federal court many times uh, is pushed along to trial a lot faster than, than our state court proceedings. And so this could, depending on hmm. um, how the parties involved want to resolve it and how they want to push it forward, it could be resolved uh, quickly. Uh, you-, you know, obviously a judge will oversee that scheduling. But, you know, I think in terms of presenting a quick defense to this, um, that could be done. Do, uh, the, if the I've, only, is accommodating. I've only got about 40 seconds here. So quick question for you. Um, what do you make of the jurisdiction of being in Florida as opposed to D.C.? You know, I, I, w- I want no one to be under any illusions that that was so that it was in some way more fair. Right. Um, you know, I think they did that to avoid a, a jurisdictional or a venue issue. That's why they put it in South Florida. That's where the documents um, were allegedly found. Um, but again, understand and everyone listening the folks that are driving this, the attorneys that are driving it are from DOJ, the investigators from FBI that are investigating this and have pushed pushing this along working with those attorneys right, right. are from DOJ in Washington. Uh, totally uh, understood. So- Attorney okay. General okay. Ashley Moody, thanks for joining us on Fox Across America. And thanks for the good work you do there in Florida. Hang with us. We'll be right back. Hey, I'm Jason Chaffetz, filling in for Jimmy. Jimmy's making his way to Mesa, Arizona for a big gig he's got with uh, Kennedy there in Mesa. You can go to foxacrossamerica.com to get all the details, foxacrossamerica.com. And uh, I'm out here pushing my book, The uh, the Puppeteers, The People Who Control, The People Who Control America. Uh, but the, there's news, and it's happening, and it's happening right now. And so I want to bring in Sean Duffy, the one, the only, the host of The Bottom Line, the former congressman from Wisconsin, the lumberjack, and all-around good guy. Uh, Jason Chaffetz, how are you doing? It's great to be with you. He's fighting the traffic, the- coming in here to Fox, and uh, we're glad to have him on the line. Look. Um, Sean, there's, you know, the indictment has now been unsealed. There's 37 counts against the president of the the United States, Donald Trump, the former president, I should say. 
Um, and this is pretty serious. Now, you're also, among being lumberjack and all that, you're also a former prosecutor. I don't know if you've had time because I know you're driving into the city, but this is a pretty serious allegation here. Um, but what are your top-line thoughts at this point? So I haven't had a chance to read through the full indictment. I got through the first few pages, and then in the car I get sick if I read. So I, I apologize for that. But, I mean, listen, we look and say prosecutors have discretion on how and what they charge, which is why now you see liberal prosecutors across the country use that discretion to not prosecute people. Um, they use a, those, those prosecutors use it inappropriately. But it's, a, it's appropriate to make a decision about what's right and what's wrong to charge and what the charges should be. And so allegedly discretion was used when Hillary Clinton had her 30,000 plus emails on her private server, many of them classified. And it's a crime, but the DOJ decided not to charge her. The FBI decided that charges shouldn't be referred. And that was discretion. I think it was political discretion. Um, we haven't seen that Joe Biden has been charged. Also, I mean, listen, if we're going to say it's serious to have classified documents, okay, well, Joe Biden had those classified documents just the same for a much longer period of time, and so too did Mike Pence. Um, well, know, and he had him. You and I, you, you know, he had him going back to his time yeah. in the Senate. You, you, you and I have been in Congress. You've been in, and he was in the Senate. You don't get to take anything with you out, out the door. You and I, you and I have been in the skiff, and there's no way that a senator or a House member can get out of that skiff, which is the, the room that's very secret and secure where you review these documents. You can't get them out. Uh, but not only that, if there, there's been a couple times, Jason, you're probably aware of this, that members have accidentally walked out of the skiff with documents. But the packet that you're given, they're all numbered, they're all labeled, and the, the whole packet doesn't come back to the staff in the skiff. They'll call you up probably five minutes after you walk out of the skiff and go, hey, you, you checked your stuff. We think you took one of the classified documents with you. That's what happens. Um, so that's why every Republican and Democrat member of Congress is baffled by how Joe Biden could have had classified documents from his days in the Senate. So That's, that's um, right. And so people understand the process, at least when I was in the skiff with with uh, highly classified, sensitive information, it usually came with a handler. The handler was there and they would watch you read it. They make you turn in your phone. You can't have notes. You can't have a piece of paper. You can't have a pen. And when I wanted to turn the page, they turned the page so that I could look at something. They literally had that much supervision over what we were doing. And here Joe Biden has you know, all these boxes and whatnot. I, I guess the thing that's really a rub for me, and I've, I've said it earlier on this show, but um, the idea that, you know, when, when we investigated Hillary Clinton, it led to, I mean, I put a preservation letter in place. I personally signed it. I was the, the subcommittee chairman um, on national security and the oversight committee when the Benghazi situation happened, we put this preservation letter together, which later turned into uh, being a subpoena. And the documents that were there to be retained were ultimately destroyed. And not just one document or four documents. We're talking about tens of thousands of documents. Bleach bit was deployed. And somehow, some way, that is not an egregious abuse of power. 
We went through the same thing with the IRS, Lois Lerner. And John Koskinen, who is the IRS commissioner, the inspector general did the investigation, came back and said they didn't even look for the documents and they ended up being destroyed. But they were under subpoena. And again, zero consequences. That's what's I think the real rub here is that Donald Trump, they come in literally with guns a blazing. And it brings me back to that point of discretion. You're right about Hillary Clinton. We're right about you know Joe Biden and Mike Pence. But there's something else at play here as well, Jason, where that is the FBI uh, has been targeting uh, parents who go to school board meetings and are right. concerned about what's being taught to their children. They're targeting conservative Catholics who go to Latin mass. They're targeting pro-lifers, throwing the book at these people. And so there's a perception in the country that the FBI and the DOJ have become political. That's a problem for them if they want to maintain at least the auspices of being fair and impartial, that lady justice is blind. This move to say we're going to go after the, the, the lead contender for the presidency in 2024, we're going to go against we're going to go after Joe Biden's main competition, Donald Trump, for the very same crime that Joe Biden committed. And we're going to try to throw the book at him. Um, give me a break. They're all in as the police force. For the Democrat Party. That's what they are. They're here to protect the Democrats and persecute and prosecute Republicans. And the veil's been ripped back on what they're doing. And I'm sorry, this House, this Republican House, better fully understand that and go guns a blazing back at the FBI. Well, and it comes and it comes in the context too of the full committee there, the Oversight Committee, being able to view the documents, the 1023 document, from a serious allegation from a highly credible source, one that is so credible that the Department of Justice is authorized paying this person over six figures, it's been described as, on allegations of per- perhaps the most serious thing you can, you can uh, uh, do as the Vice President of the United States, and that is commit bribery that you expect you're you're taking in millions of dollars uh in chain in exchange for policy that's the allegation and the reason that we know about the existence of this document which dates back before 2020 um is the fact that the whistleblowers are out there saying the department of justice got this and they did nothing to run it to the ground they they, they haven't done anything and we got to listen to those whistleblowers. So they're doing nothing on a serious allegation of bribery in the context of millions of dollars flowing into the Biden family. And this is what we're going to argue about, the retention of documents? Yeah, yeah Jason, it's, it's, uh, so it, it, it can sound very complicated. Millions of dollars coming from Burisma, this energy company, allegedly, that, that uh, Hunter Biden worked for. And if you listen to the old tape of Joe Biden bragging about withholding a billion dollars to Ukraine, unless Ukraine fired the prosecutor, the very prosecutor who was going after uh, the heads of Burisma. Well, let's listen to that. Listen to this. We're going to play that for a second. Hold on, Sean. Let's play this real quickly. I had gotten a commitment from Poroshenko and from uh, Yatsenyuk that they would take action against the state prosecutor, and they didn't. They said, you have no authority. You're not the president. The president said, I said, call him. (laughs) I said, I'm telling you, you're not getting a billion dollars. 
I said, you're not getting the billion. I'm going to be leaving here. And I think it was, what, six hours? I looked, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> got fired. So is that what happened? So that's why the president got millions of dollars? That's a big question. Jason, we withheld a billion dollars so he could get $5 million and Hunter could get another $5 million. And by the way, I don't know. Who knows what in Ukraine? Does Zelensky know about this deal? Do other ministers in the government know about this deal? Is this, is, is this why Joe Biden has given over $120 billion to Ukraine to fight the war against Russia? Or, by the way, we, we, there, there's horrible accounting. We don't know how that money is being spent. Right, right. But I want to go back to another point. It is easy for the FBI to do a forensic audit. They might think they're really smart in setting up shell companies, which, by the way, you might have a company, your great book, uh, The Puppeteers. You might have a business for your book. You might have a business that sells Chaffetz shirts. You might have a different business that sells, you know, Chaffetz Consulting. All legitimate businesses in different realms. Those aren't shell companies. Joe Biden set up shell companies with Hunter for the sole purpose of laundering money that uh, probably came from Ukraine. And if the FBI scratches the surface, they're professionals at this. They'll easily be able to tell, did Joe Biden make money? And if so, where did it come from? Did it come from Ukraine? They'll see right through these shell companies. They yeah. don't want to look. They don't want the answer to Joe Biden selling the country out. And by the way, that's Ukraine. What? How, how much money did he make from China? You look at the policies this administration has had towards China, and it's a, it's a head-scratcher as well. It's like he's putting China over America. Yeah. Does, does China have leverage on him as well? That these are the serious questions, and that's the rub in this country and why there fe- feels like there's an unequal application of justice. Sean, pay attention to the road. Look up every once in a while. Swivel your head left and right. Let's make sure we don't you know, run into anybody on the way in here. Sean Duffy, the co-host of The Bottom Line on Fox Business. He's the co-host of From the Kitchen Table, although he has a minority interest in that. Um, <laughs> Rachel really leads the, the band there. Uh, just a great guy, former congressman. Sean Duffy, thanks for joining us on Fox Across America. Great to be with you, Jason. Appreciate it. All right, we'll be right back. Call and speak to Jimmy now. I'm trying to use the You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. All right, I'm Jason Chaffetz filling in for Jimmy. He's on his way to Mesa, Arizona. You can look at uh, foxacrossamerica.com, foxamerica.com to get the details of what Jimmy and Kennedy are doing out there. Um, but a, a lot of breaking news today, particularly about Donald Trump. So I don't want to waste any more time and get after and talk to the great congressman out of Arizona, where, where literally where Jimmy's headed. Uh, this guy represents Mesa, Arizona, uh, at least a big part of it. Uh, Andy Biggs, the congressman there. Uh, Andy, thanks for joining us. Jason, it's great to be with you. I uh, I served with you. I served with uh, Congressman Biggs uh, on the House Judiciary Committee. He's on the Oversight and Government Reform Committee, the most important committee in Congress, of course. And uh, but I really am thrilled to have him here. But on a, on a serious note, um, a lot of breaking news: the indictment, thirty-seven counts. Against the president, the the visuals of the boxes at Mar-a-Lago, this really doesn't look good. What's your take on things? Well, look, it, 
it's not surprising that he had a bunch of boxes of papers, newspapers, magazine articles, memorabilia from D.C., and that's really what they've done. They've taken lots of pictures of this stuff. But I find myself saying, uh, where are the pictures of Joe Biden's garbage? Where's right. And you you worked on this one. Where, where's that computer and, and all the stuff that Hillary Clinton actually destroyed in order to be destroyed because she had so much so many secret documents. So there are thousands and thousands of documents on there. And, uh, you know, how about Barack Obama, who also had uh, classified documents in his person, and Mike Pence. And, I mean, it just – it's not unusual for this. But what is unusual, Jason, is to indict a former president um, sure. for this. And that's what's really um, historically bad, in my opinion. How do um... – I mean, we, we haven't had a time to uh, digest and read all of this. You're an attorney by trade um, and to read through the indictment. You know, I guess it does beg the question. I look, uh, I, why not just hand the documents back over? Like you got classified documents, archivists in there, they're asking for them. Why not just turn them back in? Well, um, in here, I mean, and I've gone through uh, all but a few pages of the, of the document, uh, there's there's indication that they were turning the stuff over and trying to turn it over. And I think I think Trump had expressed in there uh, legitimate concerns about, you know, uh, I mean, they include in there, Jason, this is why there's so much gratuitous stuff in here. Having read lots and lots of indictments, this thing is filled with gratuitous things. And one of the gratuitous things is he says, you know, can we change the cover on it? I wrote so much on the outside of that cover. Let's can we change the cover? They they put that in there as an indicia of evidence uh, that he was trying to hide something, and that would be the point I, I would make here: is um, if you don't like Donald Trump and you're trying to find ways to put him in jail for anything, you're going to take thing which normally, an, uh, you know, uh, basically um, a prosecutor who doesn't have a bias, they're going to say, look, uh, what we see here is this innocuous. Um, uh, there's no indicia of evil intent or anything like that, uh, you know, culpable mental state. But w they didn't do that here. Everything that's in here and filled with gratuitous information seems to say they're going to take everything and turn it into uh, the most sinister motivation on the part of Trump that you can. Yeah. Again, going back to the unequal application of justice, I mean, when Hillary Clinton was interviewed again, thousands and thousands of documents that were under um, not only a subpoena preservation letter that I personally signed. Um, yeah. And uh, but when they go to do the interview, nobody takes any notes, let alone recordings. And you can see the difference on how they're treating Donald Trump with this. They just go in and have a little conversation with some coffee and tea, evidently, and no notes, no, no recordings. But with Donald Trump and his team and the people he's in, a totally different situation. That's that's right. And and the reason I brought up Hillary, because I knew you were personally involved in that, that yeah. congressional investigation. Yeah. And so you knew what was going on. And 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 when we look back at it, when I'm looking back at it, we still don't have justice on it. We never got no. uh, even even all the answers we wanted to get on that. IRS so, was the same way. You know, those yeah, those documents were under subpoena destroyed i mean that's the thing that that kills slays me on this thing is hillary clinton irs these documents are destroyed 
and and bleach bit. And then James Comey has the audacity to come before the committee and the American people and say, well, there was no intent. Are you kidding me? What do you mean no intent? She set up her server at home on the exact same day that she started her Senate confirmation hearings. Don't tell me there That's was right. no intent. Yeah, and, and yeah, and you brought up Lois Lerner. And and a lot of people forget about old Eric Holder himself, yeah. who who got held in contempt of Congress for failure to produce documents. And and what happened to him? Nothing because no. the, the because that's just the way the contempt statutes work. And I've been looking at the documents uh, on the Joe Biden and Hunter Biden, an entire Biden family uh, criminal enterprise here. Jason, uh, man, I know you wish you were there to read those documents with me, but uh, it, it is astounding that the FBI would get this report and do nothing with it. Yeah, um, it is scary. And, and, yeah. Well, listen, and, and yet, I, I've got yeah. a hard out. I have no options here. I'm talking to Congressman Andy Biggs, <laughs> one of the most influential people there in Congress, and rightfully so. He's earned it. He's a smart, smart cat, and uh, really appreciate the good work you do there on the judiciary, and certainly appreciate you joining us on Fox Across America. I'm Jason Chaffetz. Thanks for letting us join you. Hey, it's Clay Travis. Join me for Outkick the Show as we dive deep into a mix of topics. New episodes available Monday to Friday on your favorite podcast platform and watch directly on outkick.com forward slash watch. Listen to the show ad free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.